0: Alrighty guys, we're back with another Anonymous episode. Thank you, Jessica, is who we have today. So Jessica, why don't you just start by telling us a little bit about your background, some family demographic information to give our listeners an idea of where you're coming from.
1: Of course, Um, well, I am 24 years old. Um, I'm married to my husband, Nick. Um, He's a fleet mechanic in the Southeastern Wisconsin area. And then together we have two kids. I have a daughter, Maddie, she's three years old and a son, Noah, who, oh my gosh, he'll be two in February. So I, even growing up, um, I've always kind of been, I've always kind of gotten along with the kids better versus like the adults and even like people my age. I've always been into babysitting and working as a nanny and everything. Um, and so I've always wanted to be a mom. So the transition for me specifically with my daughter was not challenging. Um, I, I mean, everything's easier said than done. Obviously I've always been told that you do your best parenting before you become a parent. And I do find that to be true to an extent, but I'm also, I knew that I wanted to be a mom and that this was, I don't know. I just had like a sense of confidence when it came to my daughter. Um, because I knew like, yes, kids are fragile. And of course there were things that I was afraid of and had anxiety over, but I knew that like at the end of the day, you know, one day is not going to like permanently screw up my child. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, So I think that the transition into motherhood was pretty easy for me. I've always I mean, even out of my own peer group, I've kind of always been the mother of the group, you know, making sure that people had everything that they needed to back in school, making sure that people had rides to school and, you know, just kind of going out of the way to make sure that people were taken care of. And then I also kind of always knew I come from a bigger family and I always knew that I wanted to have a bigger family. So when the time came, I, let's see, my daughter was just, she was just over eight months old when I found out that I was pregnant with my son and we didn't actually, we weren't necessarily trying for my son, but we weren't not trying. Mm -hmm. Um, And I had kind of, after my daughter turned like a month old, I was totally, you know, I had extremely high baby fever. I was ready for another one a month after my daughter was born because I loved it so much. I loved the newborn stage and everything. Um, And then I decided that I was going to leave active duty Navy and we were going to move back home to Wisconsin. And, um, my baby fever was killed instantly. I did not want another baby. It was not the right time. You know, we were, we were about to go through huge life changes and everything that we've ever known. Um, and then I found out I was pregnant with my son. (laughs) And so he was very, very wanted, um, but not necessarily at that time. (laughs) So, I mean, that was, that was a pretty big adjustment just at that point, my husband had kind of moved home or moved back to Wisconsin to start a job. I was still living out in California with my eight-month-old at the time. Um, So it was very, very challenging. That transition, I would say, from one to two was hard in the aspect that we were transitioning
0: everything about our lives in that moment. Mm -hmm. I know there's so much research just about how During pregnancy and during that initial motherhood stage, ideally, everything else will be kind of calm. But when there's big transitions in life, like a family death or a new job or some other big major life transition, that can really set off a whole host of other issues. And so it seems like this was the first time knowing that you we're going through all these transitions, not to mention physically, like physically having to move and relocate and everything with a child. This was kind of the first time where you went from being really confident and loving everything to like, oh crap, like what is going to, like, how's this going to go? Yes.
1: Yes, absolutely. I actually, I did as much as I wanted my son and everything or want even now my son and everything. As soon as I got that positive pregnancy test, I just cried because I was like, oh my gosh, what a, my husband was not, he was not on board to have another kid at that time. And it was very, it was, it was very
0: stressful. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure I don't have a second, but I'm sure it's difficult too. Like maybe that those heavy emotions and all the changes that you were going through that, that I'm sure affected how you parented your first, right? Like going from being very confident and kind of having both feet on the ground to like, oh my gosh, like what's going to happen?
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, going from the, you know, one to two, it's, especially because my daughter was so young still, I almost felt guilty that I didn't get enough time with her individually. Um, The thing that helped me like navigate those feelings were that I knew that she was going to be an amazing big sister and that it made me feel less guilty because I knew that Maddie she was meant to be a big sister I mean she cares for her baby doll so well and I mean she would lay on my belly for an hour at a time and uh, you know eight months old one years old like that's that's not a thing that kids do mm-hmm. so I knew that that was going to be I knew that it was going to be okay because she was going to be such a big sister right and sacrifice yeah. individual time with her kind of it balanced out a little bit
0: hmm yeah, as, as a mom who has one, and I've talked openly before in other episodes about like the struggle, I don't really know if I want another one. I'm kind of pulled in both directions. So I'm really curious, just the, the dynamics of having two. Um, so I want to talk more about that later. But you, you mentioned, and I don't want to get away from it too much, but you mentioned having been an active duty. And so just talking about your experience in this, like as you were a mom, how did you kind of cope with all of that?
1: Um, it was definitely challenging. I, so when I found out that I was pregnant with my daughter, I was actually on an underway. I was stationed out on a ship in San Diego for a while and I was underway and I just kind of fell off. So I took a test and it was positive. And during that, the Navy has a policy where you can stay at your, if you're in an operational status, if you're like, you know, in a dangerous work environment on a ship, you can stay there up till 20 weeks. And then once you hit 20 weeks, you have to go to a different command. Um, I think I was maybe like, I want to say I was like 17 weeks or something when they had transitioned me to the hospital out in San Diego. Um, and so that was very, very challenging. Just trying to keep up with the demands. There's a
0: huge,
1: a massive stigma in the military for women, especially, Women who get pregnant while they are on an operational status, and I understand it to an extent, but at the same time, I mean, life goes on. Um, so it was it was very hard, and then just dealing with the pregnancy and trying to not be um, like a burden on the people that I work with. You know, luckily, my pregnancy with my daughter was easy. My pregnancy with my son was a little bit more challenging. Um, So that was difficult trying to be able to maintain the level of work that I was used to while still knowing my limits as I'm growing a human being Mm -hmm. Um, and learning how to um, like advocate for myself and stand up for myself when things were happening that I wasn't necessarily comfortable with. Um, And then after having my kids, after having my daughter, you get... A year at your command, and then you are up for orders again. And after that first year, you're able to go back on a ship and deploy and all that good stuff. Well, it it just so happened that I found out I was pregnant again, um, so that never happened. And then once once I had my son, I decided that being in the navy was not for me. I did not want to deploy. The thought of leaving my kids, like I said, I have only. Ever wanted to be a mother? I know that I've wanted to be a mother for forever. Um, and so the thought of leaving my kids just tore me apart. So I decided that's when my husband and I decided we were going to get out um, and move back home and start a regular life. Well, two weeks before I was supposed to separate, I ended up changing my mind and I decided that I was going to join the reserves. And since I've joined the reserves, it's been nice. It's much more, um, I, I like active duty better, but I like that in the reserves, you can control a little bit more of your environment and where you go and what you choose to volunteer for. Um, for example, back in March, when COVID started picking up, I volunteered to go and be part of the crew that went on the USNS Comfort up to New York. And so I was away from my kids for maybe just over three months for that. And it was challenging, but I knew that there was a bigger picture and I could be a part of something to help this pandemic. So why
0: not? mm mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you're talking about so many things that I think a lot of moms struggle with, maybe on a, on a different level, obviously, but like stigma in the workplace and having to sacrifice something that you love and that you're, you're saying that you, you liked this other aspect of it more, but the fact of leaving your family was, was having your heart torn. And so just the having to balance all of these wants and needs of your own identity And now also with, you know, you've also always wanted to be a mom. So you have a family and you don't want to leave them either. And those are all really difficult decisions for moms to have to make.
1: It is, it is. And I think more more so than anything, I've been struggling a lot with that this year. Um, I got married super young. I was 19 when I got married. I was 21 when I had my first kid. And I think that, you know... I got married young. So I learned how to be a good wife. It was very important to make my husband happy to me. And, you know, and then I had a kid young. And so I learned how to be a good mom or at least as a good of a mom as you can be, you know, for having a three-year-old and still being relatively new at it. Um, But in that time I completely, I didn't even think about who I was or what I wanted. And so that's kind of what I'm going through this year is trying to learn and figure out and stand up for who I am and what I want and everything like that.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. When they get a little bit older, you aren't as, I guess, vigil- you don't need to be as much. So, I mean, they're becoming their own little people. And so, yeah, you kind of have to re identify like your own identity and what your hobbies are and what your likes are. And I think a lot of women get stuck on that. Like, well, who am I? <laughs> like, who am Absolutely. I again? Like now that I can engage in these things again and, it's a really difficult place for women to be in because I think a lot of times they want things to go back to the way that they were before they had babies. And it's like, we can't ever go back to the way that we were before babies because we are different. So, right. Yeah. So balancing like school and work and motherhood and life and your other roles as a wife, obviously. Um, And friends. So just talking about like, how do you balance all of that stuff?
1: (laughs) Um. Oh my gosh. I think that's like the unanswerable question. I think that, you know, part of me, the organized part of me says that, okay, well you just come up, it's time management basically. I mean, you have to, what are good things? What are quality things that I think make me a good mom? Okay. Well, quality time with my kids. So I slot out quality time with my kids. You know, I'd like to have family dinner. I slot out the time to make dinner because that makes my husband happy. And then we eat dinner and we have a fun bath time. And, you know, I take my time putting them to bed and just kind of slotting out certain times to do all that, you know, all of the things. However, there's only 24 hours in a day. So I think the main thing that has helped me balance everything is telling myself that it's okay if it doesn't all get done. It's okay if the dishes sit there. They're going to be there tomorrow and I can do them tomorrow when I don't have three classes and a quiz and a test and the kids are screaming at my ankles and dinner still has to get on the table. I shouldn't I shouldn't and I don't think anybody should feel that immense amount of pressure of having to do all of the things all of the time because there is no balance if you're trying to do everything all the time that's not balance, that's overexertion
0: and you're going to burn out, mm-hmm. you know, in my opinion at least. Yeah. So I- yeah. There was um, a really yeah. awesome kind of metaphor that just changed my world lately about this whole idea of balance. And it, I think will help a lot of women. So maybe you've heard it. It was, I I know the person who shared it with me was Dr. Cassidy on Instagram and you can find her at just Dr. Cassidy. Um, She has a lot of awesome mom resources and postpartum resources, but this idea of balance being, thinking of all of our priorities as balls. So some balls are tossable, some balls are plastic and some balls are glass. And so the tossable balls are things that we can give to other people. So we can give, you know, some chores to our partners or we can, you know, do housekeeping. Like if that's a privilege that some people can do, like maybe that's a ball that we toss off to somebody else. And then there are the plastic balls, which can drop and they're not a horrible thing, right? Like you're saying, but the house chores, the laundry and all that stuff, like it doesn't feel good to drop them, but they drop and they don't break. But then for everybody, we have these glass balls and those are the ones that can't break and are the, the ones that can break and we want to try not to drop. And so for for women, what this means is just like, not that we can ever really balance it all, more so we have to identify like which ones are tossable, which ones are plastic and it's okay if they break or if it's it's okay if they fall and then which ones are are unbreakables and we have to really guard those. So I feel oh, like- I love that. Yeah, I love it too. And it's like totally rocked the way that, I mean, balance is such a huge topic and such a huge, like hot button for moms and they want it, but it's impossible, like you said, to get and it's overexertion. And so just this like reidentifying of, we're not going to balance everything. Like it's just not possible to do all these things in a day and it's not good to do all these things in a day but re-identifying like what can be tossed what can I let go of and what do I absolutely need to protect I'm hitting the pause button quick to share with you guys a product that my family absolutely loves. Magic Spoon is a protein-packed, delicious adult version of some of our favorite childhood cereals. It's a healthy cereal that seriously tastes too good to be true. Each serving has about 11 grams of protein per serving, compared to those other cereals that only have one or two grams of protein per serving. Each serving also only contains three net carbs, compared to an average of 24 net carbs per serving with other cereals. Magic Spoon cereals are also grain-free, gluten-free, and free of artificial sweeteners and other funky ingredients. They have flavors like cocoa, fruity, frosted, blueberry, honey nut, and my favorite, peanut butter. Give it a try at magicspoon.com and enter Jenna Overbought. one word, for free shipping on me. Happiness 100% guaranteed. So talk to me about, you said that you've referenced this before, um, that you're, new little boy, your, your Noah has kind of thrown you for a loop and like, has maybe, maybe made you feel like a first time mom kind of all over again. So just talk to me about like, in what ways is this feeling new? What has that done to your confidence and how do you, how do you cope through that?
1: Yeah. Um, so I guess I should start with, um, my daughter, my pregnancy with my daughter, do- with, oh, excuse me, with my daughter is, or was so completely, normal. Everything, she was 50th percentile, you know, or my whole entire pregnancy, like no complications. I mean, towards the end, I did have a few, like I ended up getting induced early because I had a kidney infection. So that kind of like shook me a little bit, but at that point I was so excited for her to just be here. I didn't even care. (laughs) I was like, yeah, sounds good. Let me meet her. Um, And breastfeeding was hard with her at first, but you know, you will, I've I've read so many articles saying it's going to be challenging at first. Like it's normal, it's fine. Um, So just kind of like working and going through the motions were, was very um, expected to me. Not that I expected everything to go smoothly and perfectly, but that I had the resources and that I knew, you know, it wasn't anything crazy. Well, with my son, I went, I saw a different doctor and we got a little bit more information about my husband's family history um, because he has a pretty significant, you know, um, he's got a congenital heart disease. His niece has a very um, significant genetic disorder called the George syndrome. And so when we discovered all of that, my doctor sent me to the FAU Um, or like the maternal fetal unit, um, we did genetic counseling. We had anatomy, like a full blown, um, anatomy scan where they measured everything in his little body that they could measure. We had a fetal echo done. So just from the get go, you know, from the pregnancy, it was different and more difficult. And there were more loops being thrown or, you know, more hoops to jump through and everything like that. Um, and then let's see. And then he was also huge. He measured so big. So it was just, you know, it was very painful to carry him for that long. I, my husband had moved, so it was just me and my daughter. So trying to do that, trying to work, I took a few classes back then. Um, just trying to do, again, just trying to do like all the things. It was just a very, very different feeling. And then um, he was actually born and everything, he was born very healthy. You know, he had, um, he was, what is it called? I can't even remember what it's called, but he was large for his gestational age. So then he had to go and get the like sugar testing done or something like that to check for like diabetes. Um, And that came back negative. So it's fine, but he had to get tested. So that made me worry. And then I think it was our first night in the hospital after having him, he had green bile on his um, onesie and on his swaddle. So then he had to go down to the NICU and that just tore me to pieces. I, he was only down there for 12 hours. He went through all the tests. It was fine. But that, I mean, was too, too stressful for me. I I can't imagine, like, having a child in the NICU for longer than that because, oh, my gosh, those moms are just so strong.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but then, you know, we get past that. Everything's done. We take them home. And I just have – and I still have this gut feeling. And everybody says to trust your gut instincts. I have this gut feeling that something, something is – Not wrong with him, but there's just something about him that's not normal. So then, you know, since he was little, I noticed that his hands, like from below his elbows, his whole lower legs, his mouth would just turn blue and purple, like he wasn't getting enough oxygen. And with my husband's, not just specifically my husband, but a majority of his family, they all have congenital heart defects, CHDs. Um, I just knew that something was off, so we went, and he had already had a fetal echo while I was pregnant. Then he had a an actual echocardiogram when he was born, and so I took him to the doctor and I said, "Look, I know that this test is normal. I know that it's healthy, but there is something. I mean, normal babies just don't turn blue like that. He looked like a zombie in a sense, and." Luckily, my pediatrician is amazing, and she never makes me feel crazy, and she's always willing to go above and beyond, so she said, okay, you know, let me listen to his heart, and then she heard a little bit of a heart murmur, and I said, of course, like, this is it. I knew I was right. There's something, there's something there, and so we went and got a feel echo done, or an, another echo done, and um it turned. It came back normal, and he, the cardio, the pediatric cardiologist, just said he just has really slow circulation. It just pools in his feet and in his hands, and you know the murmur. It's an innocent murmur. There's nothing wrong with it. A lot of people have this little murmur that doesn't affect them. And so I said, okay, um, I guess. I, I mean, I don't. You can't. You can't argue with actual pictures of the body. So, okay. And then, you know, a couple months passed, eventually, you know, it's gotten better. Now we actually have the opposite problem. Now he turns red super quick. Um, But then I noticed that he was starting to have reactions when I would feed him eggs. This was maybe around six, seven months old. We went to Florida last October. um, And then he was probably eight months old then. He had another reaction. We went and saw an allergist and we found out that he's anaphylactic to eggs. And so then it was just another thing. And I was just, oh my gosh, I was like, man, since the get-go, like what is
0: happening? What is it's the next thing? Difficult because it's such a sneaky ingredient. Like I know. I know a lot of moms who really struggle. I mean, even with adult children or, you know, teenagers and whatever. I have a friend who has a husband who has an egg allergy and it's it, it's tricky. It is. It is so and it's overwhelming, especially
1: cuz I've never had to deal with a food allergy before. So just they give you this huge packet of paper and it's like this is the 8 million different names for eggs. Make sure you don't get any. And it's like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> that sounds good. I totally got this. And it just feels like your head's going to explode because one little slip up and who knows what could happen. You know, it could be
0: nothing
1: or it could be a trip to the emergency room.
0: And yeah. So even little things like family get togethers or going out to eat, like those are all complicated. Yeah.
1: Yes. And so it's just stuff like that. And my daughter, she never really had any like significant concerns. I mean, I never was worried about when she would walk. I was never worried about her vocabulary or her health or anything. So with my son, I just feel like I'm that, you know, quote unquote, first time mom who he, you know, yawns a little bit too long. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, like what's happening. Mm So there's just a lot, you know, with him, again, he's got very sensitive skin. So he he either always has a rash or always has eczema, or if he gets bit by a mosquito, it swells up to the size of a golf ball. And his pediatrician, we've done like blood draws. And like I said, she takes me very, very seriously. And I'm so thankful for that because that calms me down. But I just can't get rid of this feeling that like something there, there's just something about him. I don't know.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's hard to tell, I mean, for yourself and for medical professionals, like at what point do you trust your mom intuition beyond a shadow of a doubt? Because that's so strong and there's such legitimacy to that. Or are you like this crazy person going to the doctor and asking about the same thing numerous times? It's, it's really tricky. And it's just one of those things. Yeah. That mother's intuition, man. (laughs) It's so strong. (laughs) <laughs> yeah and like you know this baby better than anybody you know what it's like to see him when he looks like that and yeah yeah it's really really tricky for sure and definitely the contrast of of how quote-unquote simple and straightforward the first one was to now how the second baby is I'm sure it's doing a doing some um just a, it's a probably just a different experience mentally like you've said and and emotionally just now you're anxious you are more vigilant. You're more worried about milestones and whatnot. So yeah. Interesting how two children can be so different.
1: I know. I know. It is. It, it is. It's so crazy. And even like personality wise, my daughter, she is, I mean, she's wild. She is such a free spirit. She's not afraid of anything. And she just goes. And my son is very reserved. He's getting there. Now that he's getting a little bit older, he's learning and kind of trying to copy his sister more. Um, but he's always been more cautious. Thank God. <laughs> I don't know if I could deal with two wild children.
0: <laughs> yeah. So where are you guys at now as a family? Just talking about, I mean, your day-to-day, kind of how you handle all these things and the, the issue of the two children and, and being such contrast. How are you guys doing right now as a family?
1: Um. Well, you know, if, if I'm being like completely honest, it has been a very, very challenging year. I think as with most people and I, earlier I mentioned kind of learning, you know, relearning who I am and prioritizing myself and, you know, being more selfish with my wants and my needs, um, it has caused a lot of stress on the family specifically my husband and I um but I will say that you know we're working on it I think that communicating is important and I have learned that I need to tell him I cannot do bath time tonight you need to do bath time tonight I will put out their clothes but you need to do it and he might you know complain and groan about it but it will get done um so I think that, like most families, I think we're just learning. Um, I don't want to say that we're doing good and adjusting well and everything's been perfect because, realistically, that's just not the case. Um, I don't think. I think that it, at any point in time, everybody's going to be struggling with something, whether that be transitioning from one to two kids or going through a job change. But, you know, I just, I think that to say that everything's fine is just a little bit unrealistic. And the most important thing is to just learn through everything that's going on and to trial and error situation. My husband and I have tried, you know, coming up with a set schedule of who's going to do what and when, what chores are yours and what chores are mine. And our schedules are just so busy that it just didn't work. You know, and it caused more tension because then we were saying, okay, well, why isn't this working? You were supposed to do this and it didn't get done. You don't care, blah, 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 blah. So just taking it day by day and adapting and figuring out like what works and reading information and just being really honest with yourself is I think a huge, huge aspect to being more happy in a family more you know, um, what am I trying to say? Like flow together better and like, just like mesh together and become like truly become a team.
0: Yeah, absolutely. There's so much teamwork that goes into it. And in order to do that and have both parties be happy, there's like you said, there's a lot of boundary making and specific voicing of needs that needs to take place. Um, So yeah, so these are really tricky areas for every parent. These are really tricky areas, especially for the default parent, like the one who naturally falls into the priorities of having to do bath time. This is you know, really difficult for the parent who automatically is on bedtime duty. So I think you're speaking to a lot of women right now. And and the practical takeaways that I'm getting here is like taking things day by day has been helpful for you. And then trial and error too. like try something with your partner. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. You guys come back together and you try to work it out and you fix it. And just be honest about what it is that you guys need and want from each other.
1: Yes, absolutely. I think that's just, I mean, every relationship and every person is different, but I think that's what has worked best for us. And, you know, we try and give it a few weeks or, you know, if we get complacent, maybe a few months will pass and all of a sudden everything will be blowing up. But then we kind of have that moment to sit back and realize, okay, well, obviously what we're doing isn't working. What's the next thing?
0: Right. Right. So what do you wish you knew before, say earlier in motherhood or even before pregnancy that you know now?
1: I wish I knew that, that everybody is different, that every kid is different. You can put two kids in the same situation and the same, um, like learning, parenting styles and everything, and they're going to be different. And so, Ultimately, what I really struggled with when I first became a mom was comparing myself to others. I think everybody does that to an extent, and it would just make me so unhappy with myself. As confident as I was in my parenting decisions with my daughter, it would make me, you know, just question, like, am I doing enough? This person's kid is already walking. Why isn't my kid walking? you know, should she be in daycare? Am I doing the wrong thing by like doing this because so-and-so is not doing it. And I just think that it's so detrimental that the best thing that you can do is just, you know, learn who your kid is and how your kid learns and what your kid responds best to because it's going to be completely different than, you know, somebody in their class or even their own sibling. I can't treat my daughter and my son the same because they're two completely different human beings. And to compare them is just, you know, it's not going to help anything. It's not going to help me or them or, or anything. So I wish, I wish that I would have known that and really, really understood and just taken more time to remind myself that everybody, every parent, situation, child is
0: different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're bringing up something that I, I know I'm sure a lot of moms struggle with is this comparison to other moms, but also comparison of your own children to each other, like measuring up and the milestones and their personalities and everything like that. And like you said, they're so different to compare your daughter to your, to your son is apples and oranges in some ways. Like it it doesn't do you any good and it doesn't do them any good. So really good advice there. Um, what would you tell yourself back then if you could
1: all the time? And I would roll my eyes at them. And I'd be like, I know that giving them chicken nuggets isn't going to ruin their whole entire life, but, but I think it's, it can be used almost as a, like, an, I don't even know, like a metaphor or analogy or whatever, that just remembering that you focus on the things that really matter. Like don't focus on the little trivial things that are specific to that day you know look at the bigger picture look at who do you want your kids to be not what do you want them to eat but who do you want them to be do you want them to be kind okay well then focus on that you know focus on living a healthy lifestyle and just focusing on your own family your own kids and your own mentality and just being confident in those decisions and I don't I mean I wish I could have
0: told myself a lot. <laughs> oh my gosh, I, I always reflect on these questions too. Like, what would I tell myself? And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad no one's interviewing me.
1: <laughs> like, I know so much you're so goes- right,
0: though. Like, it's more. It's this big picture. We can't get caught in the nitty gritty details of like, how much screen time did they have today? What did they have for lunch and breakfast and dinner? Um, you know, the just the nitty gritty details. We have to focus more and give ourselves grace more based on the big picture. And like, what values are we teaching them? What values are we having in our household? Um, This happened to me this morning, my mom, and hopefully she's not listening. Hi, mom, if you're listening, but she watches my kiddo two times a week. And she's notorious for bringing over snacks and sugar. And um, she often will like be on the phone with him. And like, the TV is always going and it's like, Those things cause some annoyance and they cause me to be frustrated and they, whatever. But then as I was leaving, I, I overhear them, my mom and my son talking about like how it's, it's good to take care of the dogs. They were feeding the dogs together and it was just, she was just really reinforcing this idea of like, you know, being nice to the dogs and isn't it nice to take care of those dogs and being responsible. And I'm like, that's what freaking matters. (laughs) like. I'm going to let go of the fact that you brought over like the eighth box of fruit snacks this week. And I'm focusing on how you're teaching my son the value of like caring for his dogs and being a responsible like dog owner. Right. So it's all about those big things. Definitely. Um, Yeah. So what else do you think is important for other moms to know?
1: I think, I mean, I just, I guess like one thing that I've always thought about was standing your ground, you know, With family and whatnot, you know, speaking of in-laws and everything, um, my in-laws tend to be a bit uh, (laughs) over-involved, I guess. Um, They have a very, like, strict set of rules, and they tend to be more, they tend to try and be more parent than grandparent sometimes. Um, And I think I've had to really learn to just stand up and say, no, like, you're the grandparent, I'm the parent. Thank you for your help and thank you for your opinions and your, in your guidance, but at the end of the day, you know, I'm going to be the one that ultimately decides my, myself and my husband are going to be the ones that ultimately decide rules and regulations and setting those boundaries up is so, so, so important.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And there's a, a, a an eloquent way to navigate that. Like you said, like, thanks for your opinion, but ultimately it's us who have to decide this. And yeah, that's hard for, for moms and for dads to get to learn how to do, but it's so important because otherwise we just end up feeling resentful and avoidant and we just build up these negative emotions. It feels so much better to just rip the bandaid off and have those boundaries. Absolutely. So last question, why do you think it's important to do and go through hard things?
1: Well, so I, I listen to a lot of podcasts actually. And one of my favorite ones is a girl, her name's Keisha Fitzgerald. And she says that you should never wish your time away because everything that you go through teaches you something. If you were to wake up one day and win the lottery and you won, $400 $400 million, you wouldn't, you would probably just kind of blow through it and spend it on meaningless things because, you know, versus if you had to work for it, if you went to school and you struggled to pay for school and you, you worked really, really hard to get these job promotions and everything, and you ended up, you know, making $400 billion in your lifetime, you would know it would have so much more value to you than just waking up one day with a bunch of money in your bank account you would know like, okay, I struggled to pay for school. So I'm going to set some of this money aside for people to go to school because I'm fortunate enough to help them. Um, so I think, that, I think that when you go through hard things, it teaches you resiliency and it teaches you not only to be grateful, but to find the value in everything that you've learned from the situation. You know, I think that from through everything with my son and worrying about his health issues here and here and there all the time (laughs) um I've learned that some things are out of my control and I've learned that if something is wrong and if we do eventually find something it's not going to make a difference of how I treat him of how I look at him of how we handle life you know it's if we do find something then okay We did it. I've learned that this is what works. This is what helps us both get through the day. And this is what we're gonna continue to do. Um, So yeah, I think just finding the value in things and being more thoughtful and conscious of your decisions is, is really important when you're going through hard times and why you would go through hard times to learn those things.